In 2014, Bradley Cooper, American actor and filmmaker, starred in a play called The Elephant Man. The story is based on the real life of Joseph Merrick, who lived in Victorian England and is known for his body's extreme deformity. The play calls for no prosthetic makeup on the actor portraying Merrick. Through the performance, the audience is led to imagine his appearance. When Cooper talks about that role, he emphasizes the need to prepare his mind, to prepare his body, and to prepare his voice to become the character. Flash forward to 2018, and audiences worldwide watched a wonderful remake of A Star Is Born, produced and directed by Cooper. He also starred alongside Lady Gaga and was trained to do something he had never done in a cinematic role. He sang. And when asked in the media, did you get singing lessons? His response, I worked for months with an incredible coach named Roger Love. No other vocal coach in history has been more commercially successful in coaching others to both sing and speak than Roger. Love has written three top-selling books, created best-selling audio programs, hosts a podcast on iHeartRadio, is a TED speaker, and appears often in major network television shows. And if that isn't enough, when asked today's big question, what do Bradley Cooper, Joaquin Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Bridges, Eminem, Gwen Stefani, Kara Knightley, Tony Robbins, and of course, the wonderful cast of Glee have in common? Roger Love is their coach. While Roger helps to transform his clients, when asked what he does for a living, he humbly replies, I'm working to change the world for the better, one voice at a time. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is Roger Love. Roger, welcome to the program. Chuck, thank you so much. That was such a beautiful intro. You, you had my attention all the way through. I was, I was engrossed in the way you sounded and, and the things that you said, so thank you so much. Well, that is a major compliment coming from you, Roger. I appreciate it. How did you in setting out to build your career, think about what you were going to bring to the world of coaching. Is this what you expected? I really started out as a singing coach, not even thinking at all about speaking voice. I was trained as a singer. I was singing. I love singing. Singing made me happy. So I just decided I was going to spend my entire world singing. And then my teacher suddenly when I was 16 years old said he had to go to Canada to teach a master class and would I come over and teach his students and he at the time was the most famous voice teacher in the world because he had Stevie Wonder and the Jacksons and every big star you could possibly imagine and I said that sounds like a wonderful opportunity except the obvious question I had was how would I teach your students? Because I'm just a student. I've never been trained how to be a teacher. And he said, I'm going to pay you $100 an hour. Don't worry about that. And I said, 
I'm not worried about anything and showed up on Monday to be a voice coach with no training at all how to be a voice coach. And my first student was Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, then Luther Vandross and groups like Earth, Wind & Fire and Chicago and one star after the next. I wasn't even thinking about how to get to the top. I was thinking about how I was going to survive the day <laughs> and actually teach these superstars something about voice they didn't know but yet they were selling millions and millions of records and, and getting 50,000 people to come hear them live and buy t-shirts. Flash forward, six months later, he comes back, my teacher, and almost every one of his celebrities decided that they wanted to stay with me. Hmm. Surprise to me. Why? Because we all found that I had this ability to hear the sounds that people make and then to make some suggestions on how to make those sounds better. And I loved being a teacher. So he brought me in as a junior partner. I still kept going to school, college, and did everything I was going to do. But in every free waking moment, I was teaching voice. Mm -hmm. And that's what my singing career was like as a singing voice coach career. And it wasn't until 17 years later when I left him and decided not to be a partner anymore, that I started getting calls from people like Anthony Robbins and Jeff Bridges and all of these amazing actors and, and you know, all these incredible influencers and presenters, John Gray and Susie Orman. And they said, we want you to work on our speaking voice. And I said, thank you so much. No, thank you. <laughs> I am a... I'm a singing coach. And they would say, well, you know, we've tried all of the non-singing coaches, but they can't fix our problems. We still have this problem and this problem and this problem. And I, and I eventually said, okay, okay, I'll do it. I won't even charge you anything. Come in, let me see if I can fix your speaking voice and we'll see. And so they did. And I realized that I could fix their speaking voice in the same way that I had spent 17 years fixing people's singing voices. Singers can open up their mouth and create sounds that influence millions of people emotionally. They can make them cry when they sing a song. They can make them dance when they sing a song to move through a myriad of emotions. And I figured, why couldn't I help? my speakers do exactly the same thing. Well, you once in reading about you as I was prepping for the show, you gave this wonderful quote that said, a great singer with a great song and a great delivery can move you to a myriad of emotions. I just did the same thing with speakers. Given you were not expecting this, what kind of adjustments did you make to recognize, I have two different things or are they the same thing? I first set out believing that they were two completely different things. And I, I read books and I studied and I, I met with all the laryngologists and doctors I know and really tried to understand the difference between singing and speaking because what was out there and available to these speakers as far as technique and coaching, I just didn't see it as, as elevating the art form of coaching. It just seemed like it was all dinosaur age. And it was also word-based. 
all of the speech coaching was, was word-based. If you had the right words, oh, you could close the deal. If you had the right words, this could happen. Your dreams will come true. But I was learning that that, that wasn't the case. So I wanted to start creating my own techniques. And literally after years of trial and error and trial and more trial, I realized that speaking and singing is basically the same thing. That there are components for singing, pitch, pace, tone, melody, and volume, and that's it. You decide what the melody is, you decide how fast you go, you decide how loud you go, the, the composer gives you the lyrics, that's it, pitch, pace, tone, melody, and volume. But Interestingly enough, speaking has only the same variables because it's sound-based. So you only have pitch, pace, tone, melody, and volume to control. And once I realized that, then I started creating tons of content to show my speakers how to take all of the research from music, the scientific research from music, and put it into the speaking voice and then there was no separation. My speakers sound like they're singing. My speakers have melody and, and, and it sounds like they're speaking your favorite song. My speakers move in and out of all different emotions and they elicit all different emotions just like a great song and a great singer does. I can't change anyone's voice unless I change their mindset and then I change their physiology. So you have to understand that people think that the voice that they are right now, they think that's the voice they were born with, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. Hmm. It was the, it's the instrument you were born with. But if your grandmother gave you a Steinway grand piano when she passed and you have it in your, in your living room and it takes up a lot of space, and all you're using it for is a frame, a picture frame holder, and you never learned how to play it, then you didn't make the most of that instrument that you had. Well, that's what I do with people. I say, here's your instrument, here's the sounds you think you should be making, except there are so many more that you don't even know about. Sounds that could actually showcase who you are that could control the perceptions of other people that hear you, that could showcase the authentic you, the real you, sounds that you could be making that would predetermine the, the outcome of every conversation that you have so that you're not moving from conversation to conversation and just like you're throwing spaghetti up on the wall, hoping something sticks, but you have a purpose for communicating. You're listening to a Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is Roger Love, the singing and voice coach. This is a special edition of a Climb to the Top because for those of you who are listening to us on WABC, thank you for tuning in. However, for any of you who would like to hear part two of Roger, you can immediately after the show switch to my YouTube channel. You can find me just at Chuck Garcia. Roger has agreed not only to speak to us in this segment, but to give us a voice lesson because he is communicating a very important theme. We are all born as an instrument. Wonderful metaphor. But just as we go to develop our minds, arithmetic, biology, anthropology, what about the thing that we were born with? Don't we develop that? And we develop the trumpet. So Roger, I want to take 
take us back to a, what was, I'm gonna guess, if not your first, perhaps one of your biggest transformation points when you were young, when your coach left to Canada and a gentleman named Brian Wilson walks in the door. How old were you when that happened? 16. Okay, you're a teenager. What did you do at 16 when Brian Wilson and Earth, Wind and Fire walked in the door? That morning I had told myself that there was no way I was gonna be able to do it. And that soon as the stars came in, I was going to basically apologize and say, <laughs> I'm so sorry you drove all the way over here. And I, I don't know what my teacher was thinking. I really apologize. Can I, can I shine your shoes? Can I, can, can I wash your car? Uh, I, I was going to say that. And instead, I decided I would give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? I would embarrass myself and then have to wash Brian's car. So, so I decided I would give it a shot. So the first thing that went through my head in that moment, right after I decided I wasn't going to say I'm not doing it, was what, what, could I, what could I do to have Brian sort of perceive me to be more like my teacher? So I thought, well, you know, my voice teacher had this big, booming, strong voice with all the personality in the world. When he called my mom's office where she was working to schedule a lesson with me, all of the receptionists, they were like, <laughs> they were just melting. My voice teacher just had this voice filled with resonance as if I was an opera singer and now I'm not. And I said, well, maybe I should just try to sound like my teacher. Maybe he won't notice the difference. Of course, I was 16 and my teacher was like 50. So I didn't think that far ahead. I said, what if I sound like my teacher? So that's why I started. So I said, tell me in the voice that I sort of could imitate my teacher, right. tell me what problems you're having right now with your voice. Is, is there anything I could help you with today? And then he said, yeah, I'm actually having a problem because when I sing for like two days in a row on the second day, I get hoarse. And then boom, I said, oh my gosh, so the gods actually have problems too? And he happened to hit on a problem that I'd already spent a lot of time thinking about as a singer and taking singing lessons. And I knew why singers were losing their voices. So I said, great, let's start there. Here's, let me, let me just run you through a couple of exercises and hear what you're doing. And I was just literally buying time for me, but also hoping that if I took them through some really simple exercises that I, I went from low to high, I'd hear some more problems. I registered that he said he was losing his voice, but I, I figured, why don't I just do a little test? So I, I literally just had Brian go, do this for me, Brian. Ah, and he did it. And then I, then I went up the scale. Ah, half step at a time, all the way up, hoping I would hear something that was less than perfect. And what, what did I hear? I heard how he was doing the exercises really airy, that it was so airy. And I realized, and I knew that when you 
sing with too much air, it dries out the vocal cords. Right. So boom, it went off in my head. I know how to fix that. I'm gonna show them how to sing less airy. At least do the exercises less airy. And then if in the Beach Boy songs he was gonna sing, he wanted to do airy, it would be a choice. But I found it, he was singing airy all the time and he was vocalizing airy all the time and it was drying out all the air on his chords. <laughs> then I took him higher. And, and at the top part of, of what I'm gonna call chest voice, which we can explain later, but the top part of his normal range, he broke. He went, ah, ah. And then I was like, oh, boom, a little voice went off inside my head. He has a break right there. There's pressure and there's straining. Right. That's why he always sang everything so high. I wish they all could be California. He'd sing everything up here or everything down here. Wouldn't it be not? I know these aren't the songs he sang in the Beach Boys, but I'm just, these are the Beach Boys songs I remember. You're good examples, because <laughs> we know them all. <laughs> right, so now I, I thought, oh my gosh, he doesn't have what is my specialty as a young singer, the middle voice. Right. He has low and he has high, but he doesn't know about this secret middle voice that I know. Boom, that's it. I knew I, 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 knew I had things to start with. I, I regulated how airy he sounded. I taught him more about the middle voice so that he could go up and down without breaking. And then boom, it, it took me one student before I had a student for life. I want to explore middle voice in part two on the YouTube channel because I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear this so we can go deeper. I do have one, one question though. What you're describing when Brian Wilson walked in the door is not unlike what oftentimes a Wall Streeter or a venture capitalist walks into a 21-year-old who dropped out of college, this entrepreneur that has a great idea and may be intimidated. What did Brian Wilson or any of the others, when they saw you, the 16-year-old, what was their reaction? Who the hell are you? And what can you possibly teach me? That was, that was every single one of their reactions. They walked through the door and they were expecting to find some teacher that looked like a teacher, was old enough to be a teacher and had enough knowledge to be a teacher. So that, was, uh, that wasn't in my favor. I had to earn respect by actually listening and finding things to suggest that would make their voices better. Right. And, and, you know, look, that whole concept of fear, fear is still the number, the number one fear in America, as you know, is speaking in public, right? right. Yeah. What are people so afraid of? They're afraid of being judged harshly. Yeah. So they're afraid that if I speak up, if I say the things that I think I believe or just the words that come out of my mouth, if I make that pitch to a bunch of investors, they're gonna laugh at me, they're not gonna fund it, they're gonna throw me out of the office and I'll never be, uh, I'll never be you know, uh, allowed on, uh, in, uh, at the table again. So right. you're afraid of being judged harshly. The reason that people are judged harshly, turns out, is not about the words you use because words lie. You, words aren't truthful. I could say, I love you, but I'm, I might be lying to you. I just want to kiss you. I could say, I'll, I want to marry you forever, uh, but I could be lying to you because you don't know about the girlfriend that I have uh, down the street that I won't mention. So, so words end up being lies. We be, we've all become a little too good at using words to lie, but words don't really tell the truth. Sounds tell the truth. 
Hmm. The brain is set up to process spoken words for emotion before it processes it for logic. So if we're afraid that the way we're going to be perceived is harsh, and that's why we don't speak up, and that's why we don't step up, what if you could make the sounds that you know would create certain reactions in your listeners, and like would, singers do? Right. And what would they be? To most of those listen, most of us listening, I suspect, are not going into careers in music, but they will always be speaking. What do you recommend to them about that sound that they admit? Great. The sounds you need to be thinking about pitch, pace, tone, melody, and volume. Let's just talk about melody first, okay? Every great song has a melody. The composer spent a lot of time making it great. And you sing along with it and you remember it and it, it, gets, it gets stored in your memory. But most people when they speak, not you, most people when they speak, they speak with no melody, which is called monotone. So they talk like this as if they were, as if they were just one note on the piano and that's the note they hover around all the time. And look, I've got this great idea and I want you to invest in my company. I want you to take out your checkbook, ladies and gentlemen. I promise I'll get more excited in a second. Oh, oh, wait a minute, maybe I'll go there for just a second. Oh no, but most of the time I'll just spend right here when I'm not super excited. Monotone. And then you wonder why you're losing people's attention. The average attention span of people in the United States is eight seconds now. Eight seconds. You speak monotone without any melody, you've lost them before you get to eight seconds. Because when they think they know what it sounds like, they think they know what you're gonna say next. When they think they know what you're gonna say next, you've lost all element of surprise. And so whatever you say after that, they're not listening to you because they figure they've already heard you. So melody is really key to showcasing emotions, choosing the emotions you want, and also making people believe you. You need to create melodies that first of all, show that you're happy and excited and grateful, okay? For example, most people who do have melody and aren't only speaking monotone, speak in descending scales. They go from high notes to low notes. I love chocolate. My name is Roger Love. It's my birthday. Hi, Chuck. How's it going? And you say, <laughs> and it's all descending scales. And you're like, Roger, I don't talk. Like, yes, you, yes, you do. Everybody does because they were taught at commas and periods to go down, go down at volume and go down to a lower melody. So we've become a world that speaks in descending scales. Indeed. Well, when you start to speak in descending scales, you're signaling to people you're sad and you're making them sad. You're depressed and you're making them depressed. That there's nothing positive or happy or grateful about this conversation. So you need to speak in ascending scales. It's my birthday. I love chocolate. Today, here's what's on the table. The reason you're gonna invest is because you're going to make more money. Ascending scales make people happy, make you happy, make them excited. So melody really needs to be focused on. That's just one sound that trains a voice to be authentic and open and honest and control the, the emotions in the room. Yeah, to my students and clients who are listening, every time I drill you with mountain peaks, end with the mountain peak instead of doing the other way around. Great advice, Roger. I would like to get into your life with some of the stars, because this is, these are people we watch and admire. And let's take Bradley Cooper, for example, a wonderful actor. Whether it was American Sniper, he was the Elephant Man on Broadway. What do you do for those 
actors that we love and admire that come to you with something they haven't done before? What's the game plan? The game plan is great actors realized a long time ago that to play the role, to bring the character to life, they really only have a couple of things to first make decisions on. They have the words that are in the play or the script. That's what they have. That's all they have. And they have whatever the author says about them. Uh, Brad, you know, this character is this, well, whatever it says in the, in the, in the introduction, in the foreword. But, but instead of focusing on the words, great actors like Bradley and Meryl Streep and all the actors that I've worked with, they realize that they need to figure out what the character sounds like first. Mm -hmm. So when Meryl Streep is going to play her role in The Devil Wears Prada, she creates a voice that says, aloof, <laughs> soft, <laughs> come to me. I'm only going to say this once. I'm an oracle. I'm not, you're here for me. I'm not here for you. Once she creates that voice, she could say anything and that character would come to life. So Bradley came to me and he said, oh, I really have this idea that I want to talk like this. I want to sound like that. And I said, okay. He says, but I also have to sing with Lady Gaga. And I said, okay, so well, we're not gonna just sing like this. We're gonna have to have some range. There has to be some tone to it. So then I taught him how to have all of the range, taught him to be a, a really, really good singer, worked up every song, and then helped craft what his speaking voice and his singing voice would sound like so that there was no disparity between that gruff kind of been there, had too many voice and then a voice that still had melody and emotion and, and had some range to it and sounded good singing duets with Lady Gaga. So we create what's right for the character. I help people find a voice, singing or speaking. I don't only just work with actors who wanna learn how to singing, do singing roles. I work with actors who wanna do speaking roles. We craft a voice that's right for the character. Here's the thing, your, your clients, the people that are listening to this, they think that you're only allowed to have one voice. So you have, so you, during the day, you're, I'm a voice coach and I, I have this voice. And then I go home and if I bring that voice and that character home, my wife says, nobody wants a voice lesson here, buddy. You're not omnipotent, omnipresent. You are not a God. You may have felt like a God all day. And now you, and, but here you are, take out the trash. You're my husband. I'm not interested in the voice coach. So then I go in, make subtle changes in my voice, and I go into the character that works for husband. Now, that you know what the key, what the key change is? Silence at the pauses, longer pauses, so that she can tell me everything that she wants to say. And then, then when I see my kids, if I use the voice that I only use with my wife, that's basically telling them they can run naked on the freeway. <laughs> so I have to have a voice that works for the kids, and I have to have, and I have a voice that works for me when I play basketball, not I can't now when we're out of quarantine, when I can go back to my adult basketball league and, and make sure that they don't guard me full court, that voice. So, and you're like, Roger, that's too complicated. I can barely have one voice. How could I have all those different voices? And I say, you have all different personalities inside of you, but you're using the same voice all the way through. That's why maybe you're great at work, 
and but your relationships are suffering and that's why this relationship is good and that relationship's bad and this business is good and that business is bad because tiny little changes that you can make in your voice could make you effective in all the different aspects of your voice by helping me create a vocal character, helping you create a vocal character that actually determines the outcome of what you want each of those conversations in all aspects of your life to have. It's so simple, but people, but people just don't know how to do it. Well, we are going to leave this particular segment with that as the key takeaway, that it's all so simple, that you have multiple voices, that there's many ways that you can speak. You're not just one. You are many. You have listened to a Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is Roger Love. However, for those of you who are listening, Please switch to my YouTube channel now, or you can get it on demand, or you can go to chuckgarcia.com, or you can go to the C-Suite Network, or to Spotify. You can find us in a lot of places, because we are so blessed that Roger is going to hang on, and he's going to give us all a voice lesson and teach us something that we didn't expect. So for our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. Good night. For those of you who are switching to the YouTube channel, We'll see you there. Bye-bye now. Good night. Roger, now we have another opportunity. And we have no format, so we can have a lot of fun. We have many people who are watching us or have listened in now on YouTube. And they don't know or do they have the confidence about how do I move this voice, even if they've worked with me I don't come across musically in spite of the fact that I grew up with a musician. So let's help them understand the things that Gwen Stefani didn't know that you could apply to their speaking voice. Where do we begin? Maestro, take it away. First place to begin is to realize that the speaking voice is really two instruments in one. It's a string instrument because the vocal cords sort of act like strings. And it's a wind instrument like a saxophone because you have to bring air in to it and then the sound comes out of the instrument on a bed of air. So you have to learn how to control the way air comes in and out of your body and how the vocal cords react to that air. So it's two instruments. The reason it's such a pain in the, in the behind to learn is because it's two instruments you can't touch, you can't feel, you can't put your fingers on it. When I wanna learn how to play the piano, I can put my finger. That's a C, I can see it. It's tactile, I can touch it. Where do you touch? How do you feel? It's all done in the ears. But I've made it simple, okay? So here's some things that you need to know about the breathing and about what you can do with your vocal cords because that's how you create great sound. You, most people, first of all, breathe in through their mouths because they have a mouth and it's a big opening and usually it's bigger than the nostrils that they have. So, and when they're talking, their mouth is open a lot of the time. So while their mouth is open, they just figure they're supposed to breathe in it, but you're not. We were all born to breathe in through the nose. We're supposed to do diaphragmatic breathing. When you breathe in through the nose, the air passes through filters called turbinates and the air becomes moist. So then when it goes to the vocal cords and to your throat, it doesn't dry your throat out. Those of you that can't speak in meetings or on Zoom calls 
or all day with clients, the reason you're getting hoarse is because you're mouth breathers. You need to breathe in through your nose. Just close your lips, breathe in through your nose, and when you're ready to talk, open up your mouth and speak. That one tip alone will increase the capacity for you to speak all day and night and not get hoarse. So breathe in through your nose. Now you're also supposed to do the next part of diaphragmatic breathing, which means you're not supposed to raise your chest and shoulders, which most people do. That's called, that's called accessory breathing. And that puts a lot of pressure in your neck and it doesn't really bring a lot of air in. You're supposed to pretend that you have a balloon in your stomach. So when you inhale, your stomach comes forward like a balloon. And then when you speak, your stomach starts to come in. Look at my stomach. I take a breath, comes out. And then when I speak, my stomach comes in. The only way to have a great speaking voice is to only speak while your stomach is coming in. 98% of every single person that is listening to this right now, when they speak, their stomach is doing nothing. It's stationary, it's tight. They're thinking that they don't need to use breathing from here, but they're wrong. When you breathe into your nose, fill up your tummy, pretend to, and then only speak while the stomach is coming in, it sends just the right amount of air to the vocal cords and that air comes pouring out of your mouth. If you sound weak, shy, introverted, tinny, airy, nasal, it's because you're not speaking while your stomach is coming in. Check this out. I'm gonna count to 10 with my stomach not coming in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Now I'm gonna take a breath and count again with my stomach coming in. One, two, three, four, five, six. You, I don't even have to get to 10. You hear how much more sound comes out. 10 times the power. 10 times the power. And what people also don't understand is speaking isn't just an audio thing. It's a physical connection. Right. Your sound is supposed to come out and vibrate the bodies of the people that hear you. But if you're holding your breath, the sound comes out and just dissipates in the air because there's not enough air coming out of your mouth to carry that sound, that vibration to the bodies of the people that want to feel and want to hear you. So step one, change the way you breathe. Breathe into your nose. I don't care if you have sinus problems. You only need little amount, a little bit of air and you're gonna take another breath a few words down the sentence when you take a comma. You're not gonna take, you're not pearl divers and you have to take one breath and you dive into the water and you can't come up until you have a pearl that you sell when you, when you resurface. You're gonna come, come up for air every few seconds, short phrases. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing is, is people need to understand that there isn't just one voice. There isn't just one voice. There are really three voices in the male and female voice. There's one voice down low where men and women both use, and it's called chest voice. If you put your hand, wrap your hand around your neck like this. Okay, and everybody do this who's listening to us as well. I've basically taken my hand and put it, wrap it around the very bottom part of my neck. And now say, I can, really low, say that, I, I can. can. Did you feel your index finger and your thumb vibrate? 
Yes. Do it again. I do, uh, Roger. I do, Roger. So that feels like it vibrates right at the top part of the chest where it meets the neck. Now, right. leaving your hand there, say this for me. That's called chest voice because it feels like it vibrates the chest. Leaving your hand there, say this for me. That didn't feel like it vibrated where your hand was, did it? No. <laughs> didn't feel the same vibration? It felt like it was someplace higher, behind your eyes, up in your forehead, behind your nose. Do it again with me. That's called head voice. Now, most people may have heard singers that either and speakers that have spent time in chest voice, the chest voice speakers are down here, the head voice speakers are like this. Oh, like Michael Jackson used to speak in head voice all the time. And lots of people speak in head voice a lot. So you've heard both of those. And in singers, you've certainly heard them because you know that there are singers down low that sing everything down here. Frank Sinatra, and now I'm in my chest, and now I'm in my chest voice. And so I face the final curtain here in chest voice. And then you hear singers like Bruno Mars or Sting or Christina Aguilera or Celine Dion. And they're like way up higher. And you're like, how the heck are they singing up there? And you hear speakers that go up higher. And you're like, how the heck do they have so much more range? So you've heard speakers and singers that sort of can do chest and head. Or you're at least aware that you've heard people that sound low and people that sound high. But what you're not aware of, what Gwen Stefani didn't know, what John Mayer didn't know, what Eminem didn't know, what every singer I've ever worked with didn't really know, was that there's another voice called middle voice that sits in between chest and head voice. And it acts as a bridge to connect all the lows to the highs. So if you only have chest and head, when you speak or when you sing, it sounds like this. Ah, ah, lows break highs. When you have chest, middle, and head, it sounds like this. Ah, it's all connected. It's all one. It goes from low to high without any breaks, without any pressure without any changes. And you say, Roger, that's all peachy keen. If I wanted to be a singer and sing along with, 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 with uh, Adam Levine from Maroon 5, but Roger, I just wanna be a speaker. I just wanna be good at work. I just wanna be good on Zoom. And I say this to you, the great speakers in the world have chest, middle, and head. Why? Because they use those other areas, a little bit of middle, and a little bit of head to showcase other sounds and other emotions that are not perceived when you're only in chest voice. All the time that you spend in chest voice is like, let's close the deal. I'm the real deal. I'm powerful. I'm a, a weightlifter. I can carry you to the top of the mountain. I've got Chuck on my back. I have you on my back. I will carry all of you up the mountain. Chest voice is great for that. But middle voice, that I'm doing right now for emphasis. Middle voice is, is, is a tonal range that has like magic and goosebumps and it has more intrigue and mystery, middle voice. So I'm not gonna spend all my time in middle, but if I went 
this is very, very good. And that's amazing, amazing. That's actually in the middle voice. And when you hear middle, it, 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 in, it instinctively makes you feel other vibrations that you didn't get from chest. And then when you hear a little bit of head voice, look, I did ask you to marry me and, and you said no, you said no, but I love you. I, 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 want, I want to talk about this. And when I said want, I want to talk about this. I went up to head voice for a second. So the speakers that you love, the speakers that go down in history, the greatest storytellers, the greatest leaders, the greatest CEOs, the greatest C-suite executives all understand that there are, there's a, a palette of sounds available, a range of sounds, and that if you didn't have all of them, you couldn't create the same emotions in yourself and in the perceptions of others who listen to you. I want to take this to a slightly different topic. When I wrote A Climb to the Top, chapter three of A Climb to the Top is called Speak with Conviction. But what it really was, was trying to help people eliminate verbal crutches and filler words. So people come to me, they need my help, and they start saying, uh, you know, I had this like, you know, thing, and it's like, yeah, uh-huh. And what are you talking about? This is probably, well, there, there's two things I see the most. One is people's failure to use the power of the pause. You can fix that because you have to get people to slow down. But what's a lot harder when we go into society, we hear people speaking with all of those noises. How do you coach? And it may be different than mine for the elimination of those. Awesome. I always say, um is da um. Because the second you put in a filler, like um and uh, or an extended and, or like, or so has become a filler. Whatever you made them think that you were smart, whatever you'd said up until that point that made them think you're an expert, that you're knowledgeable, that you're likable, whatever you said is immediately disintegrated. Because as soon as you start saying like, 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 um, 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 uh, 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 you sound like, you sound like you're, you're not intelligent. Short story, when we, my, my wife and I had our first child, we said, we're gonna do a little experiment. We're going to introduce filler words as if they were swear words, so that when she learned how to speak, we equated um and uh as like four letter swear words. Interesting. And so what happened was, is anytime she would say it, we were like, oh, and she would, oh, I'm so, so, I'm so, so sorry. She thought she was swearing. <laughs> she I've, heard she was, I've heard a lot of strategies. This is a good one. <laughs> she thought she was swearing. And then, and, and, and then when, when our son came along, then I had multiple coaches because he learned the same thing. We taught him that those were swear words and that she would, every time Colin would say, and, and, um, and Maddie would say, Colin said a bad word, Colin said a bad word, Colin said a swear word. And so, so we had this little bubble that was created in our house. If we really would have been visionaries, because it didn't exist then, I would have realized that like was going to become the worst of all fillers. And the mystery and right so. For teenagers, for young people, like is the, is the worst one. Because everything is like, 
like, like, like, I mean, look at, listen to reality TV. I can't watch a show like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or The Housewives of anything because I can't stand hearing the word like, 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 and it doesn't really mean the word like. Okay, so the science behind this and the what you, you cut to the crux of it that you have to pay attention to the commas and the periods where there's silence. But here's the problem. It's cultural. In other parts of the world, they've overcome this filler thing because when somebody says like, and uh, it's because they're afraid to stop speaking because they think they'll lose the other person's attention. Indeed. So if I'm a poor speaker and I, I know I don't have any melody and or volume or, pace changes and nothing really interesting to say. I'm afraid that if I just waited and then went back, you'd already be asleep or dead. So, so we insert these things in because we know we're not good speakers and we don't want, we don't want to lose people's attention. In, in Asia, let's say Japan specifically, when you're listening to two people conversing in Japanese, What's that person saying? Hi, which means yes, yes, I hear you. Yes, I'm not asleep. Yes, I'm interested in, in yes, keep talking. Yes, yes. I'm a, you're getting the yes. But in, in, in American culture, we don't have that. And the combination of, of the, you, them not saying anything and the combination that we've become a world of bad speakers and the internet stole our voice because all we got fairly good at was texting and emailing. And we're not even that good at texting and emailing, but we've become bad speakers. So we're bad speakers communicating with people who are used to listening to bad speakers who realize that they're, they're, they're not gonna, and you're not gonna hold their attention. So you fill in these gaps to try to keep people listening to you. Like I'm not done, um, I'm not done. Um, and it's, a, it's a, a cycle that absolutely needs to be ended. And I, I definitely have ways of ending it. And, you know, for sure. Yeah, no, it's exhausting. And, and I think when I hear somebody speak at first and I hear the so and the likes, I have to immediately get to figure out what problem am I going to solve first? And then I get to the second and then I get to the third. I can't even work on all of the different voices until I have fixed the first two. Do you have a sequence that you generally apply, whether it's a movie star or an executive? Where do you begin mostly? Teaching them about voice? Yeah, so when you begin, if I begin with filler words and pause, I want to get a reading of their default. What do they like at rest before they've walked into the room with me? What do you find when at rest? What's the first thing you've got to solve? First thing I solve is, do they have all three voices? Yep, okay, it's a good start. Next thing I then I solve, are they breathing correctly so that I can, so that I can make the vocal cords do what they're supposed to do? Right. Then, then I literally, I basically teach every one of my speakers how to do vocal warm-ups so that they can feel all the lows and the highs and go up and down so that they, I basically build their voice like I would build a piano. People come into me and I see how many keys you have. And I see, oh, they have like two or three keys. And I'm like, well, let's give them 88 keys. So I build the rest of the keys. So I, I think first like a technique teacher. I right. build an instrument. Then once I've built an instrument, 
I basically listen to them and I'm listening to them all along the process. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm ascertaining as to who are they? Who do they want to be? What are their core values? What conversations are they having? Who are the people that they want to listen to them? Who's their, who's their perfect audience? What do they want to achieve in life? I always say you can't find someone's voice until you help them figure out their why and their who. Because what voice are you going to create? I'm going to create the voice of Superman, but the person doesn't want to be Superman. I'm going to create the voice of, uh, uh, of um, someone who's motivational, but that's not, that's not who they are. I, I, want to, I, I have to help people find their authentic voice. And I believe, and I know that every single voice on the planet is different. Everyone's a little bit different. So I, I get to know who they are. What are they doing? What, what's their job? What's the job they want to have? What's happening when people are listening to them? And then I craft a new voice, literally almost from scratch, because I can, that has all of those elements in it that helps them be perceived as the person they truly want to be. For our listeners who I'm sure are really enjoying this, where do they find you, Roger? I know where to find you, but let's tell them. They should go to Roger, R-O-G-E-R-L-O-V-E dot com. And go to rogerlove.com. There's so much free content there. You don't have to buy anything. You could spend hours there and just delve into anything you want to know about singing or speaking and just, just watch the free videos and, and enjoy and go into more depth on the things that we've talked about today. There are some people out in your listening audience who already realize that the voice they're using is not something that's been on the top of their list, that they've already gotten all the certifications and the degrees and they've gone to all the webinars and they've gone, they read all the books, but they still feel stuck at the particular top where they are. They've achieved success, but now, from the place that they've achieved success, the top of that mountain that they couldn't see before, what do they see? Another mountain that's higher, but they didn't see it until they got to the mountain that they were on. So the climb to the top never stops. It never stops, because when you climb to the top that you thought was the top, that might've been the top for you. But as soon as you get to another top, you see another peak and you're like, I wanna go to that top. Maybe it's more altruistic. Maybe it makes you a better person. Maybe it helps others. Maybe it creates greater financial success for you. Whatever, whatever success means to you, there's always another mountain and, and, and it's, it's worth the climb. For those of you that have never thought about their voice, and I'm telling you after working with the top professionals in every single industry in the world practically, the main differentiator is communication. The average company of a thousand employees, big company, loses $64 million a year because of poor communication and loss in revenue because of that communication, loss in productivity. So scale it to you and the company that you have and the company that you wanna run. How much money are you wasting in poor communication? Now the same study that was in Inc. Magazine, it was a Holmes report, the same study that said that big businesses are, are losing $64 million a year in poor communication found that when there was one leader, one leader at the top, that anywhere near the top, 
on the sea level that was a good communicator, that company had a much higher rate of return after a five year period and wasn't losing the millions of dollars a year in lost productivity. One good communicator. For those of you out there that have never thought about voice, and I'm telling you, you need to start thinking about voice because that's your differentiator. So you can walk into any room, whether it be live room or a virtual room, and control the emotions of the people in that room. And when you can control the emotions of the people in that room and move them from one emotion to the next emotion to the next emotion, which I call emotional mapping, you can predetermine the outcome of the whole conversation, the whole meeting. You take control and it's authentic and it's beautiful and everybody reaches the place where the deal is done. For those people, I wanna tell you about, I have a three-day virtual event, Voice of Success Live coming up. I've never done it virtually before. I always do it live every year, but, but these are unprecedented times and I now I'm reaching more, more people and I've moved it virtual and it happens August 21st through the 23rd. And you can watch me and hang with me for three days in the comfort of your own home or wherever the heck you wanna hang. And I will teach you what you need to know so that you become unstuck from the mountain that you're on and you get to the next mountain and then you know where to get to the next mountain. And I will show you how to do emotional mapping and I'll show you how to turn your voice into the ultimate communication tool that you will use to actually achieve the goals and dreams. So if you're interested in that, go to rogerlove.com forward slash voice V-O-S, rogerlove.com forward slash V-O-S and learn more about it because I would love to see you there. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and it's pennies of what I actually charge to meet. I charge thousands of dollars an hour to work with people. This Voice of Success Live, you're gonna spend three days with me and it's $197, $197. It's an amazing offer. So go to rogerlove.com forward slash V-O-S because you're ready to step up and let your voice step up with you. Well, on that note, um, I will say to all of our listeners, you know that I spend just about every day in the service of someone else's success, helping them to communicate more effectively. Just my prep with Roger, all of the things that I pulled out of there taught me stuff I had no idea. And I grew up with a musician, many musicians in my home. So I hope you will take him up on that. Go to rogerlove.com. Just explore the website. Look at all the wonderful resources that he makes available to you. But we end this show on the premise that we are all each other's teachers. That how joyful I am for Roger, for you coming onto the show, and for you and I to be able to collaborate in the service of all of our listeners and watchers. For that, I am very blessed. Thank you so much for having me. I am uh, honored to, to speak with you. I love your voice. I know that you use your voice to serve others. And, and look, we have to make a change in the world and you and I are affecting that change. Mm -hmm. We can't just roll over and say that we're going to be speaking unemotionally and then we'll have AI that's speaking unemotionally. And then we'll be living in a world soon where people don't speak hum humanly and, and, and technology doesn't speak humanly, and then we've lost that art. I'm not gonna let that happen. 
you're not gonna let that happen. So we're, we're, we're on the same mountain in, in pursuit of the same surface to save the world voices at a time. So thanks Indeed. so much for fact, having me. I, I will say thank you, Roger, for all the mountain climbing metaphors that you laced in there. For that, I am grateful. <laughs> but I wanna end with, as all of our listeners know, my producing partners and I made a television pilot. And the way we begin the pilot is the advice and the takeaway that Roger gives every day that I'm also getting. And it was a roomy quote, great Persian philosopher and poet who said, yesterday I was clever and I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. That is what I hope you picked up from Roger here because he was looking to make the world a better place one voice at a time. And our mission, we serve the same and we hope that you will heed his advice, that you will join him virtually on August 21st. We are signing off here. Good night, Roger, once again. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Chuck. I look forward to talking again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.